0: Um, this is such a foundational chapter in the Bible guys I mean I can't emphasize that enough really what paul is telling us here is at the at the heart at the it's just at the heart at the at the foundation of what it means for us to practically fight against our own sin okay and and we want that I know you do I do I, I don't want to sin I don't want to be captive to sin I don't want to be a slave to sin i, I I'm tired of sinning and, and Romans 6 is really at the heart of of what it means to battle against sin, and so I want us to really pay attention. I want God to help us. I I, I prayed in my prayer um, at the last service. I I just after I got done, I said, God, I feel like there's like treasure beyond belief in this chapter, and I feel like I'm a cripple. Like I I'm, I can't I I can't get it all out. I don't I don't know how to express. It. I don't know it all, you know. I mean, I feel like there's things here that Paul is writing that. Uh, are so incredibly helpful for us, and and I want us to have it all. I want us to get it all, and so let's let's ask the Lord to help us, and let's <clears throat> let's read and pay attention and see what He asks for us. So Romans six, and I'm going to begin in verse five. Okay, for if we have been united with Him in a death like His, we shall certainly be united with Him in a resurrection like His. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who've been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you since you're not under law, but under grace. Holy Spirit, we pray earnestly. God, we ask you fervently to open our minds to the riches in those verses. God, we don't want to be angry. We don't want to be unforgiving. We don't want to be greedy. We don't want to be idolatrous. We don't want to be prideful. God, we don't want to wallow in self-pity. We don't. God, we don't want to sin. And so, Father, teach us warfare today. Teach us to battle. Deliver us. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so what we're talking about in Romans chapter 6 is how our union with Jesus Christ, our connection with his death, burial, and resurrection forms the foundation of of how we practically battle against sin. Okay, so when you look at the way Romans is laid out, you know even chapter five. Chapter five is is this justification chapter about how 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 we're we're by nature by birth we are shackled to Adam. He drags us into death, sin, and the grave. And that by faith in Jesus Christ we can be shackled to Him, and He alone, He alone, brings us out of sin, out of death, out of grave, out of the wrath of God into the glories of a right relationship with that. So chapter five is this foundation of justification that really what Paul is saying by where it's at is that you can't deal with your greed or your anger, or your lust or your idolatry, or your unforgiving. You can't deal with that stuff until you are shackled, until you're united to Jesus Christ. That's chapter five. And now in chapter six, what he's saying is a step further. He's saying that, Knowing those things, considering those things, okay? Finding our identity in Christ in that relationship. When those things are real to us and we're living them out, that changes everything. We can't keep living in sin. You won't keep. That's the way chapter 6 started. Hey, if we're joined to Jesus and that, that, that solves our salvation, our sin problem, then why don't we keep on sinning? Okay, now Paul's answer to that is, man, don't you know you're joined to him? How can you think that way, talk that way when when you're united to Jesus Christ? And so from Paul's perspective, it changes everything. How can you feel alone or powerless or defeated or hopeless when you are in union with Jesus Christ, the King? How can you love sin when Christ died to sin? That's his point, okay? And so so pay attention to the word know, K-N-O-W. It's in verse 3, okay? Don't you know? That all of us who have been baptized in Christ Jesus were baptized into his death, you know, buried with him, raised with him, okay? Again, in verse 6, we know that our old self was crucified. Again, in verse 9, we know that Christ being raised from the dead, okay? So, so there's this foundation of identity, okay, that doesn't come automatically. I, I don't believe that. I don't believe someone puts their faith in Christ, they, 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 they genuinely know, or they wouldn't be saved, who he is and what he's done, Okay, but but what I see Paul doing is he's saying we got to pray, we got to meditate, we got to memorize, we got to think. We, 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 we must know these things, okay? You're knowing at this level, you need to know at this level, and then this level, and then that level, and you need to continue to know with greater intensity what Christ has done for you and your identity in Jesus. When you ask yourself, who am I? Where do you live? Hey, you live in northwest Oklahoma, that's true. But in in a greater way, what Paul's telling us in Ephesians 2 and here in Romans 6 is that you're seated in the heavenlies, okay? It's knowing that. Does that make sense? It's it's having that identity, knowing who you are, and then then he's going to come right behind and say, now, now live out who you are. Be who you are. And whenever you're not being who you are, there ought to be red flags. Our little guy, he's, he's walking pretty good now, in fact, he made 30 laps last night. 30 consecutive laps from the uh, we counted them from the dining room um, to the uh, to the to the study to the living room to the. To the entryway and around. You can make a lap. And he made 30 some laps. That that's the when I last counted. Uh pushing the vacuum cleaner. Okay? It's not on, but he just pushes it and he can't actually push it by himself. He's got to have someone holding it. But he, I mean, he takes it serious, so much so that like he gets tired with one hand, but he won't like let go, you know, and switch. He like grabs it with the other one and then lets go. You know, I mean he's he's all convinced it's him, okay? But what what we saw though immediately was. He doesn't do well. It's cold now, so he's wearing socks. He doesn't do well on tile with socks, okay? He's kind of, you know, he he does the skating thing, and and so he falls sometimes. He falls, you know, he'll fall down, and sometimes, I don't know if it's discouragement or if he kind of hurt himself a little bit, but he'll cry, right? And it doesn't do any good. and actually makes him mad if I say, stop being a baby, you know, stop crying, you know? But He is a baby. That's who he is, right? I mean, his identity is he is a baby, and so when he cries, when he falls, he's acting out who he is if I'm out on the bike trail with Pastor Andrew and he gets off a little bit and he wrecks and and I come up upon him and he's just whimpering and crying you know and and he's I come up and he's like call Michelle you know I mean it's very appropriate for me to say stop crying you're a man right act like who you are stop being a baby because he's not a baby okay and so in a real way When Paul approaches the subject of sin, he's like, stop sinning. Why? You're joined to Jesus, right? And that should hold weight, right? It should be like, oh, yeah, I really am. I'm connected to Christ. I'm joined to his death. I'm joined to his resurrection. I'm joined to his life. That's who I am. Not pretend. Stuff in the Bible is not pretend. It's not imaginary. It's not, hey, this is positive thinking. No, no. What Paul is saying is, in a more real way than the ice and snow out there, in a more real way, you are connected forever to Jesus Christ. That's what he's saying. So know that. Verse 6. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. Okay, a couple things there, all right? So so again, more of the same. We know that our our old self was crucified with Jesus. We know that. We know that. It's a a fact. It's a reality, okay? And so the two things that come from that is the body of sin might be brought to nothing and we would not no longer be enslaved to sin. It wouldn't control us. It wouldn't call the shots in our life anymore. There's been a fundamental change based upon our union to Jesus Christ. Now it, we got to do this at some time, and so I just figure now is as good a time as any. And we'll probably talk about it more in, in sermons to come. But what, what do we what do we think about what he says here in verse six about the old self? Okay, so he says this. He says we know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body might be brought to nothing. Okay, so the old self is the old you, right? You were joined to Adam, the you that was tethered to Adam, that was was dragged down to sin, death, in the grave. Okay, so what do we believe about that old self? Well, Paul just told us there. He's dead, right? Your old self was crucified with him. But yet, okay, and and you're gonna find a lot of these in the Bible, so don't let them scare you. Okay, you'll find it in election and free will. You're gonna find it in the Trinity. Okay, you're gonna find this tension, okay? It's hard for your mind to get around, you know, okay, how how does that work together? How does that mesh together? This is one of those times, okay? So, So he says, first of all, the old self is dead, okay? But in verse 12, we're fighting it. All right, verse 12, where let not sin reign. Sin's trying to get become king in your body, right? In Romans 8, he's gonna say, put to death the deeds of the flesh, right? In Ephesians 4, he's gonna say, put off the old man. Well, why do I need to put him off if he's dead? Okay, and here's where that tension comes. So here's how I would explain it to you. Okay, in a real sense, the old self is dead, okay? He's not coming back. He cannot take you to the grave. He cannot take you to hell. Okay? He's done away. It's finished. It's over. It's completed. He, he's, he's not, there's not going to be a comeback. Okay? That's not a possibility. If I know the reads last night at halftime in Kara's heart, she's thinking 44 to 20. We can come back, right? We can come back. It's possible. Hey, I wanted him to, you know? I, I wanted him to, honestly, you know? I just don't want to. I just don't know. I I, I don't really have a stake in it. I just don't want him to get in the bowl game and and disappoint me again. All right. That that's my only thing. I'd rather see somebody else. And so anyway, is there this hope? Okay, is is that the is that the way we should think about the old self? You know, hey, he may come back, you know. I mean, Jesus told us all this, but you know, he may shock everyone and come back and take control of it. No, no. The old man is definitively thoroughly defeated on the cross. He will not have victory. He will not define your eternal existence. He will not drag you to hell. He will not characterize your life. He's crucified. In a real way, that old self died. Okay. But what do we make about we're still we're still battling? You know this morning you ba- you battled him this morning, didn't you? The old flesh, the old nature. Okay, and and, and we, that's real, and, and the Bible presents it as real. put off the old man, put put on the new man. And so, how do we make of that? Well, let me give you a couple examples. Okay, my 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 the one I like to use, I'll give you mine first, and I'll give you some people that are smarter than me. Okay, the one I like to use is, and I, and I've used this with you guys before. When my when I was little, um, we killed a lot of rattlesnakes, and my grandpa was adamant. My grandpa and my dad were adamant that when when we chopped his head off, you know. Uh, just picture 10, 11-year-old boys. What do you want to do after you kill the rattlesnake? You want to play with it, right? Right? You drag it, you hide it places, you put it in mom's car. You know, I mean, all kinds of stuff. And and, and grandma was adamant about it. you bury the head. You always bury the head. We would, after we killed the rattlesnake, chopped off its head, we had dogs around, we would dig a hole. You dig a hole, you put the head in the hole, you cover it up, and then grandpa and dad didn't care what you did with the rest of the snake, okay? But you buried the head. Why, why was that? Because my grandpa always said, that head will bite you. But but Grandpa is dead, right? I mean, the snake is dead. Hey, listen to this. I I, I Googled this. A spitting cobra being prepared for a dish in a restaurant in southern China. This is August 27, 2014. Bit a chef 20 minutes after its head had been chopped off and killed him. 20 minutes after. The, The snake is dead. The cobra is dead. They've chopped off the head. They're preparing the snake for a meal, And the head is lying there, and evidently the chef got too close to it, and the head bit him, and he died. Now, you can't believe everything on Google. I think you can believe that because it's NBC News, okay? But I went ahead to read some other other reports. The, the, The furthest one I found was 90 Minutes afterward. That one's really a stretch for me. I think I believe the 20 minutes. I mean, I've seen right after you cut the snakes off, well, I've seen it snap. You know, I mean, it's still snapping. I mean, and it's still right. So I I believe that, you know, seconds, minutes, okay. uh, 20 minutes here, we got a confirmed report, okay. But I I saw on the internet everything from an hour to the the furthest I saw was 90 minutes afterward. It's still able to bite you. Now, that's a great illustration for the old man, isn't it? You know, the old man's been crucified. And so Our battle with sin is fundamentally over, right? We're joined to Jesus. We're headed to heaven. Glory is coming. Nothing can change that. But that old self is really dangerous still. And it will hurt you. It will hurt your life. It will will destroy your marriage. It will will harm your family. Okay, and so, so that's a way to look at that. Let me give you John Piper's. Piper um, used the illustration of guerrilla warfare after a battle, or after a war is, 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 is fought. Um, I don't remember the exact illustration he used. The one that I think of in, in that realm is when we were at the Nimitz Museum in uh, Fredericksburg, Texas. Fantastic, by the way. It's a World War II, uh, the, the, the Pacific Theater. Um, they had a whole exhibit on after the bomb had dropped, okay? So the bombs are dropped on, on Hiroshima and, and Nagasaki and, and, and the Japanese surrender. There's the aircraft pictures, you know, and, and they're surrendering. and The war's over. I mean, it is finished, over. And there's nothing that's going to change that. But even though that was a reality, there were Japanese soldiers embedded in caves all over the South Sea Islands, whom the Marines had to go and dig out of there, and they kept fighting. They, they didn't know. They, they, in other words, they, the war wasn't over for them. The war was over, but they, they, didn't, they didn't act that way. And there were Marines that died for months afterward in getting the, the Japanese out of those bunkers so they could take control of those islands. And, and again, a, a good illustration of the old man is dead. What Paul's been telling us is absolutely true. But yet, the flesh is real, and so how do we handle that? Well, Paul tells us here that, that sin will no longer, you, won't, you will not be a slave of sin, okay? So, so where he's taken us is, because of the reality of what Jesus has done, sin is still going to attack, okay? But the, the thing about a believer is, you will not be a slave to that, okay? In other words, something's fundamentally changing. You were a slave to it. You, before when you were you, when you were tethered to Adam, you couldn't even please God. Hebrews eleven six says, "Without faith, it's impossible to please Him." Okay, without your connection to Jesus, without the Holy Spirit inside of you, without the fruit of the Holy Spirit, you there wasn't anything that you did that was pleasing to God. But now everything's changed, and and you you will not be a slave to sin because of the indwelling Holy Spirit and your connection. To Jesus Christ. Man, what a, what a glorious truth is that. I mean, that, that gives hope, doesn't it? You know, when we when we find ourselves wallowing in self-pity and comparison, when we really want to be happy, you know, but but, but how encouraging to you know, I won't be a slave to that. God's going to work that out of me. You know, when we find ourselves blowing up in anger at the, at the people we love more than anyone on earth, and, and yet being able to read Romans 6 and say, okay, I'm connected to Jesus. I won't be a slave to that. When, when, when we're addicted to, to lust and, 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 and it tempts us at every corner, you know, how encouraging to be able to say, I am free from that, I won't be a slave. God's going to root that out because of what I know about Jesus Christ. Things that people go back to over and over and over. Man, if you don't believe there's a slavery to sin, just look at our world and look at how people will literally destroy themselves. Going back again and again and again and again and again and again and again to the very things that tear them apart. It's slavery to sin. And here's what what Paul is saying. Let me read it again. We know our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing, rendered inoperative, so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. All right, so let's. Let's see how that's gonna work, okay? We're gonna go through some verses real quickly here. So verse seven, for one who has died has been set free from sin. We understand that, right? Once a person dies, they they don't sin anymore, right? They're they're dead, and so he's using the, the analogy that Christ has died. We're joined to Christ, okay? So we're done with sin. Verse eight, if we've died with Christ, we believe that we'll also live with him. Verse nine, we know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. Verse 10, here's an important one. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. In other words, Jesus is done dealing with sin. It's completed, it's finished. It is a finished work. But the life he lives, he lives to God, okay? And now now all of that, again, Paul keeps going back, telling us who we are, what Christ has done, how we're connected to him, all for the, the, the point of living it out. Verse 11, so, okay, here's your, here's your application. You also must consider yourselves dead to sin, and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Now, my question for you is: Is he just saying the exact same thing he told us in verse five and verse nine? You know, in other words, know these things. Know that that you're 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 joined to Jesus in in His death. You're dead to sin, and you're alive to God in Christ Jesus. I think he is. Except, I think he's stepping it up one notch. Okay. So, so here's my question to you: What does the word "consider"? How does it differ from the word "know"? K and because that's what he's been telling us, right? Verse three, he says, you know, or verse four, or no, no, three, don't you know that you've been you know, joined to Jesus Christ? And then in verse six, we know the old self was crucified. But now in verse 11, he's saying, so you must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to Christ in God. So what's the difference? Well, let me give you some smart guys' opinions, okay? So John MacArthur says that this word consider has to do more with the heart, okay? it's a It's a reckoning in the heart, it's a, it's an embracing in the heart. John Piper says this, it's to think and decide and do as a man who possesses these things. So in other words, if, if I have them, then how does that change my posture? Okay, if they're in my account. So let me let me give you an example, okay? Um, let's say that um, Pastor Dan tells me before the service, he's saying, hey, Pastor, I got $1,000 for you after the service, okay? All right, now, I can know that, okay, and that's one thing, knowing that Pastor Dan has $1,000 that he says is for me, okay, but if I consider that, okay, here's where I think it's different, especially because the word means to put in your account in some translations, okay, if I consider that, then, then, then I've already embraced the reality that that is mine, okay, and, and so I'm already changed by it, right, like like maybe before the service, I was worried about Christmas and how we're going to buy presents or about paying a bill or about the electric or the heat or whatever, you know. But now now I'm free of that. Now my heart is changed. I not only know it with my mind, but my heart has changed. And then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change my posture. That's what, that's what Piper's getting at. It is, is it, it's, it, it's how a man lives and postures himself if he believes that right? And so if if I really have considered that Dan has a thousand dollars for me, then maybe after the service, what might I do? I might just kind of stroll over by Dan, right? You know, just kind of stand around Dan, you know, hey, you know, so you had something, right? What would you say before, right? I'm going to posture myself, okay? Maybe maybe think of it this way. If you're a farmer and there's a drought and you get a promise from the Lord that it's going to rain, Okay, now maybe maybe knowing that's one thing, but considering that, that it's going to rain would mean that your your heart is in, right? You, you, your anxiety level is down. Man, you, you're sniffing the air for rain. You you grabbed your umbrella that you haven't needed for a year and you put it in your truck because, because you, you put it in your account. Okay, I, I think that's what he's saying in verse 11. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God. Now, before we get... Any further with the the particular application section, I, I got to come back and say this. I just, I think there is something. I think I think we all neglect everything last week and and so far this week. I think that's the problem. I, I think I think many of us are not free from sin as we ought to be because. We want to jump to the, the particular application. How do I battle sin? Well, how do I battle lust? Well, I, I get an app on my phone that, that controls what I can look at, right? Hey, that's, a, that's, an, that's an incredibly good idea, by the way. Incred- you, you, you ought to do that, okay? I don't think that's the bedrock of how you fight sin. You know how how do I how do I protect myself from uh, from materialism? You know, well, I get an accountability partner. By the way, that's an incredibly good idea. You ought to do that. That's a biblical thing. We ought to confess our sins to one another. We ought to have people looking after our spiritual lives. That's true. I do not think that's the bedrock of how you fight sin. You see, I think we're always jumping right to that. But but what I've what I've seen in Romans six is Paul hammers us again and again and again and again. With believing and embracing the truth that we are joined to Jesus in his death, burial, and resurrection. That's the foundation. And and, and somehow we must pray and we must believe. I, 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 we must consider those things to be true. I, I, what convinces you that something's true? Think about this. Is it it that you feel it? I don't think it is. Because there are times where you feel things that aren't true and there's times that you don't feel things that are true. Correct? I mean, I think we could all have illustrations in our life where, you know, we don't don't feel that. Okay? I don't think it's that. I I don't think it's that the world confirms it for us. I don't think we need that. I, I don't think you need the world saying, oh, you're one of those heavenly beings who are connected to Jesus, seated in the heavens. Wow. You know, I don't think we need the world doing that. For us, that shouldn't be our standard. Hey, the world gives the courage award to Caitlyn Jenner, you know? I mean, hey, not everything the world says is true. I mean, that's an obvious, that's a duh. Shouldn't it be this? When God says something, that carries the highest weight of authority, right? So like if I look outside and, man, this is something our society doesn't do well. If I look outside and and I say, man, the sky is blue to me, but somewhere in the Bible it says the sky is orange, I ought to say the sky is orange. That's hard, isn't it? I know I mess with some people's, you know, the way, the way you think about life, but I really think that is, that's the way, by the way, the Bible does not say the sky is orange. Sometimes it's sunset, okay, but... It, But you get my point, I mean, the Bible ought to carry more authority than than the other things in our life. And, And so when we read that, man, I'm joined to Christ, I'm dead to sin, Christ lives in me, okay? That ought to carry this weight of authority and embracing the truth of that. And so Paul has just rapid fire burst that upon us over and over again to get us to this point, verse 12, okay? Some of you who are wanting some more practical stuff, from here on out, there's some more practical stuff, okay? So here we go, verse 12. Let not sin, therefore, reign in your mortal bodies to make you obey their passions. Now, again, what do we see here? We, we see this, this combat, okay? Sin wants to reign. What's the word reign mean? It's, it's the verb tense of the word king. Sin wants to be king in your life, okay? Okay? And and Paul is saying, you can't let it be king. All right, now what does that tell me? That tells me this is a real threat. Paul's not, you know, Paul's not just making stuff up here. Sin wants to reign in your mortal bodies, and it will, unless you appropriate the gospel, as he's telling us here in Romans 6. Okay? It'll reign. It'll, It'll be king. It can't. It can't be unchallenged or unopposed. You must stop it from reigning. How, it, how does it reign? Let not sin, verse 12, reign in your mortal bodies to make you obey their passions. Here's how sin works. Sin has passions. It has desires. The word passion is the word desire, okay? Now, let me let me show you one of the most helpful things I've ever learned in the Bible that, for me, has helped me battle sin, Ephesians 4.22, Okay? Ephesians 4.22 is the same type of passage that we're looking at. Same type of passage, Romans 6. And it says this. It says, put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life. Same thing Paul's been telling us, right? Put off that old self. Belong to your former manner of life. And is corrupt through deceitful desires. Okay, that little phrase there is incredibly helpful in battling sin. Okay, how is sin going to attack? It's going to attack through deceitful desires, okay? And so sin's going to come in, and it's got desires. It's got passions. It wants things, okay? And it's going to be, it's going to lie. It's going to lie to you. Just like in the Garden of Eden. Sin comes in to Adam and Eve. Oh, oh, take of the fruit. You'll be like God. Okay, that's cool, right? Be like God? You'll know good and evil. You'll be like Him. You'll be an equal. You won't die. Nothing bad will happen. It's a lie. And so sin is going to come in over and over again in your life. And it's going to know your desires and it's going to offer you deceitful desires. It's going to offer you its passions. Okay? Okay. So, so God's plan is one man, one woman for life in marriage, in, in, in a sexual union. What is sin going to do? It's going to offer you all kinds of varieties of that version. And it's going to tell you this is the most exciting thing ever. And it's going to be really convincing. What, is it, what does the Bible say? The Bible says, turn the other cheek, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. You can trust him. Okay, what's, what's sin going to do? Sin's going to come in. And it's going to offer you every, every other version of get justice yourself. You deserve it. This is right. You need to tell those people what idiots they are. And when you do, in your mind, what's going to be going on? They're going to realize it, right? And they're going to be like, oh, you're right. We are such idiots and you are the smartest thing ever. You know, I mean, that version plays in your mind and it's really convincing. Like, I need to say this. This is right. I must say it. You know, I must, I, I must, right? Those passions are gonna come in. And so here's what he's saying. You can't let sin reign. It wants to control. It wants to get its its passions fulfilled. And the only way it can do it is through your members. Look at verse 13. You see that? Do not present your members to sin as instruments of unrighteousness. Okay, what are what are your members? Well, it's your body. You see, the battle is all, it, it doesn't happen really. It's not for your soul. It, 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 it's the control of your mouth and your, your eyes and your ears and your, your mind and your hands and your feet, right? That's where sin will manifest itself. Sin's got to have an avenue, okay? And the avenue is your members, okay? The, 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 the battleground is your mortal body, your, 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 your body. Your soul is joined to Jesus. Your body is a place where sin will attack. And so we have to, what Paul's telling us here, deprive sin of the opportunity to use your members to fulfill its desires. Okay, so again, verse 13 do not present your members to sin as instruments for Yeah, okay, I, I think of, um, in, later on in Romans, we'll get to this at some point, Romans thirteen fourteen. it says, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. You see that? Don't give it anything. Don't, don't give it control of your mouth. Don't give it control of, of your hands. Don't give it control of your mind. Don't, don't allow sin as it comes in with its passions. It's gonna want your mind. It's, it's going to essentially say, I want your mind. I want, I, want, I want it captive. I want you to run this dude over and over into your mind again. Sin will try to take control of your mind. It's your, it's your decision to give it control. Okay? And notice when you do, it becomes an instrument of unrighteousness but what does that word mean okay look, look at that verse 13 do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness the word instrument can mean tool it can mean instrument um but here's here's i think <laughs> the best definition for me this word is used numerous times in the new testament for weapon a weapon okay now the reason i like that is because this is a battle right here isn't it i mean we're fighting this battle okay And so so he's saying don't don't present your your body, your member, your mouth, your your mind, your eyes, your hands, your feet as a weapon for unrighteousness against God. I mean, whenever you offer sin, whenever it gives that deceitful desire, and you give it a place, you you, you allow it to verbalize, you you allow your hands to to fulfill that, you allow your your mind to run on that, you, you have given a weapon against God for unrighteousness. And so so Paul uses this word present. Okay? He says in verse 13, don't present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but rather present yourselves to God. Now what does the word present mean? It means to give in service to. Okay? So it's it's basically you're you're allowing your hands, your mind, your tongue to be a service, to be service to give service to, to yield to the fulfilling of either sin's desires or God's desires. Now, man, here's where all this other stuff so comes in. You know, when we are so convinced that we have died to sin, we're joined to Jesus, we're joined to his resurrection, that our life is in him. Remember that in Colossians last week, the implication of being joined to Christ is that your life is in him, right? Right? And so when we're so convinced that our life is in Christ, we have these two sets of desires, right? and then the deceitful desires of sin that seem so appealing, but then the desires of Christ and when, when, when that is so real to us that man I, my life's in him, then we, we don't present our hands, our feet, our mind, our tongue to sin. But you got to have the positive, we present them to God. If you don't have the positive part of this, I, I think this is what trips a lot of us up, okay? A lot of times, we know the deceitful desire. How many of you had this experience? You know it's deceitful. You know it's lying to you, right? But sometimes, we just try to say no without, without actually yielding our mind, tongue, hands, feet to God. And so, so if we're just saying, you know, sin's saying, I, 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 want, I, want, I want your mind. I want your eyes. I want. I want. I want. Your, I want your tongue. And we're saying no, no, no. I, I know that's a lie. I know it's a lie. I know it's a lie. I know it's a lie. Eventually, it's going to wear us down. <laughs> and and I, I think the see, there's two halves to verse thirteen. Don't present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness. Present yourselves to God as those who've been brought from death to life. And so immediately Romans six ought to kick in. Who I am, my identity, my union to Christ, and immediately ought to present my mouth to God immediately. God, it's in your service. God, it's for your desires. And so I'm going to speak truth. I'm going to sing praise. I'm going to proclaim the gospel. I'm going to encourage and affirm and comfort in Jesus' name. God, in my mind, I'm going to employ my mind. I'm going to present my mind to you to think about the glory of God, the greatness of the gospel, the character of the Almighty, His plan for the universe. God, I'm going to employ my eyes to see needs, to pay attention to to my children and my family, to marvel at your creation, to look at your word. I'm going to present my ears to hear the heart of others and and their struggles and their needs. I'm going to employ my hands to serve those in need, to use my skill to bless others. My feet, I'm going to employ them to go where I can be used to build up the church. I'm going to employ my stomach to share a meal with friends, to do good for the kingdom of God. I am going to present my body. I'm going to move it so that it's unto God and Paul says sin will not have victory over you verse 14 for sin will have no dominion over you okay we're out of time so recap you've got this great cosmic battle that all of us are fighting okay okay Galatians chapter five. This is real, verse 17. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. These are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. Right? Cosmic conflict. And what's, what's Paul telling us here in Romans six? First of all, he's telling us and Jesus has won the battle for you, okay? So right away, some encouragement, right? Right away, some, some confidence. Right away, some hope, right? He's won the battle. The victory's yours. Sin will not have dominion over you. You'll not be conquered by it. The, the, the old you will not reign over you. you. You will not be dragged to hell over your sin. Whew. Okay? That's good, right away, okay? But then he goes further. man. See yourself. Consider yourself. Know yourself to be joined to Christ. You're dead to sin. You you died with Christ. That's who you are. That's your identity. You're not a slave to this anymore. Okay. Consider. Make that your own. And now now move to identify those sinful passions, those deceitful desires, and then present your, your members to God, not to fulfill the desires of the flesh. Let's pray. Father, we pray for your help in this this battle. God, this daily, moment by moment, hour by hour, battle that we have. Father, we thank you that you have chopped the head off the snake. We thank you, Father, that sin's days are numbered in our life. I think about what Paul's going to say in Romans 7, who Who will rescue me from this body of death? Jesus will. Thank you, Father, that our eternity is secure in Christ. Thank you, Jesus, that that we will be changed, that we will be different, that we will progress in holiness, that sin will not have dominion over us. God, we, we know that, not because we're something special, but because we're joined to you. So, Father, help us to appropriate and to live out uh, those truths. God, show us your glory. In Christ's name, amen.